Hey, y'all, we're super excited to share today's episode with you where we'll be itching for Ibsen in our brand new script tease. But before we do that, we have a couple things to say to you. This episode has a content warning for foul language as well as suicide. So be careful as you listen, but we're super excited to hear your thoughts. Now let's get into it. Mr. Henrik. Do you think he was cute? Do we even have a picture? Oh, he was not cute, but like cute. Like for what the time, do you think he is? Um, a Virgo, if I had to guess. Why do you say that? I don't know. He just gives me like, I want things done this way. Kind oh, of. Oh, he energy. was butt ugly. Yeah, I'm telling you, doesn't he? Have, but, like, yes, he's got like mutton chops. That man was giving. He was giving you Victorian era it, realness. But he was giving. Are you sure thing. he's not a pussy magnet with those like <laughs> fucking um? With those little, little uh, pubes on his <laughs> My little pubes on my face. Uh, he was on the cusp between a Pisces and a Aries. No, oh, no wonder. Aries. Okay, never mind. Air, I could I could paint him as an man. Aries. That's an Aries man. This just in everyone. Harry Gibson is an Aries man. Henrik. What did I say, Harry? Herrick. Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> Let's get this shit started. Not the Harry shit on his face. <laughs> Harry shit on his face. <laughs> Sonic Jr. Welcome back to another episode of <laughs> Theater, Theater Thoughts. Thoughts. Hey, y'all. I'm Ty Etherton. And I'm Kiara Sweeney. Hey, we're just two former theater kids mentioned forever theater adults. Whether we like it or not. Listen, it is not terminal. But it is something that we live with every single day. And we are talking about all things theater, education, and the performing arts. So let's get into some, y'all. Theater, theater Thoughts. Thoughts. Hello, Kira. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what? The way you looked at me when you said that, you went, hey. <laughs> Can you tell I'm her? also pissed about not being on fall break right yeah. now. Well, we will, in a matter of hours when this episode drops, be on fall break. That is very true. Speaking of fall break, so we record these a couple days in advance. Yes. And tomorrow, my drama kids, we just finished Twisted Fairy Tales, and so they want to watch Cinderella. I said, which one? And they go, Oh, yeah, you told yet. me you were going to vote. <laughs> so, what did they vote for? No, they haven't voted oh. for anyone yet. But I literally loved laying out the reiter- the re- adaptations, reiterations, the, celebrations. The, celebrations. The, the Cinderella cal- catalog. Yeah, so I was like, guys, we can watch OG Cinderella. Yeah. We can watch the Brandy Cinderella with Whitney Houston as the fairy godmother. And one girl goes, my mom calls that the black Cinderella. Because it, it is. It is, but it's also iconic. Uh, I said the Lily Collins one. Is that who it is? No, it's Lily James. How do I know her? Um, uh, the one show that we watched, Pam and Tommy. That's what I thought. Yeah. I talked about Pam and Tommy today <laughs> in class. Oh. I didn't say. I said don't. Watch oh, her. about makeup. About like prosthetics. Work. Yeah. Um, or the Camila Cabello actual twisted fairy tale one. Yeah. We were not getting. It's going to be one of the middle two. It's either going to be the Lily James one. 
or Brandy's. I'm really pushing for Brandy's because I haven't watched it in a while and I would watch it yes. with them. Yes. But Whitney's Impossible, Impossible. is magical. Impossible. She eats that oh, up. Yeah. No she crumbs. No notes. No notes. <laughs> no notes. No crumbs. Um, how are the last couple days of uh Escuela for you? We're getting ready for Eagle Scream, Eagle Scream, which is like our big like school spirit assembly. Normally, it only happened once a year last year, but this year we're doing four of them, Work. one each quarter with like different categories. Um, so we have that on Friday right before break, and I'm excited. I think it'll be, it'll be good. It'll be really, really chaotic, but also really fun. Yeah. So I think, and it'll then be you awesome. can kind of like BS the rest of the day. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like excited to just like get to hang out with the kids and not yes. like stress so much about getting stuff done Absolutely. and be able to just be like we did it we made it quarter one in the books let's have a blast we're almost there everyone yeah. teachers listening you guys can do it yeah you can get we believe it. in you and if you don't have a fall break that sucks for you because <laughs> i'm gonna be relaxing next week so yes nah. I know. Um, Maybe, yeah, someone asked me today, like, Miss Sweeney, what are you doing on your fall break? And I was like, not literally nothing. Yeah. Literally nothing. I was like, I have a checklist of, like, a few things I need to get done. But, like, this is the first time in a matter of weeks that I'm going to get to slow down. Right. We have not slowed down. Our weekends have been booked and blessed. We are booked. Bukina. Yeah. Uh, and we're having a good time. You know who also was booked and blessed? Booked and blessed? Who? Our special... Honoree that we are talking about today on the episode. Slay Boots. This is a script tease, but we're not just giving you one. We're giving you two. Two for the price of one, baby. Welcome. Savers, the great value. The get, your, select. <laughs> get your coupons out because <laughs> got we got one. deals. Two for one special. Right. Today we are talking about uh, someone that in his time was known as the father of modern drama. The one, the only, Henrik Ibsen. Are you itching for Ibsen? I definitely am. <laughs> I love his plays. Like, oh, TBH, yeah. he absolutely slays. Okay, so let me bring it down for y'all a little bit about Henrik, Mr. Ib, uh, back, back in the day. Um, so he is a uh, contemporary artist. And when we talk about contemporary, um, because theater has been so long... In history, contemporary is really anywhere like post America. Like you're really talking end of the 1700s into the 1800s is where we get into contemporary. We're breaking into a new thing called like neo contemporary now, which is like even newer. When that's all the stuff that you know we know and is on Broadway and all of that good stuff. But contemporary falls into that like 1800s time. So Mr. Rick was uh, uh, born in 1828. Um, in Norway. Yes. You're like so all of his in the Norway. All of his original plays were published in Norwegian. Yes. And I remember when I was learning about him, them being like, they probably would have been better in performed in Norwegian because some of the things don't directly translate. Right. And I was like, interesting. So he probably had some. So, like, like what are we missing? Right. I want to know. Um, and so he is kind of known. He's one of the most famous modern playwrights. Um, he's authors of such dramas as Pier Giant. Giant. What about my giant? <laughs> what did you call me? <laughs> um, a Doll's House, which we'll be talking about. Um, when We Dead Awaken and 
Hedda Gabler, which we will also be talking about. Uh, its first play was published in Perform in 1850, 1850. It was called Cataline the same year um, as he moved to Christiana, which is now modern-day Oslo. Bro, Christiana is such a cute Great. name we for a city. Oslo? We uh, Oslo is also it. a pretty badass name, though. Oslo is a Oslo. cool name. But like... uh, he traveled abroad for nearly 30 years. He lived in Rome, Dresden, and Munich, or as the locals call it, München. Uh, he wrote plays and directed a variety of theater companies during his lifetime. He earned the international reputation for his psychological drama that frequently commented on social issues of the day. His plays are still among the most frequently performed in the world. Yeah, you want to talk about a man who was like, you know what? I'm going to take social ideas and grab them by the fucking throat. That's Henrik Ibsen. Yes, I agree. Yeah. He, like, no bars hold was just like, you know what? I'm going to call a bitch out. Like, you know what? I think I'm making this an explicit episode right here, right now. Yeah, because it has to. It be. has to be. It literally has to be. Well, especially with the source material. Like I have you seen the candle, uh, that candle video of that girl who's pissed off about not getting her candles, and she's like, "This video is going to be extremely explicit." explicit. Yeah, that video is so funny. I think that's so. Where we should heads start up. The, pod, the podgram, <laughs> which is at theater podcast. Uh, you should make that just the beginning. <laughs> this of the episode is going to be extremely explicit. Uh, yeah, it is. But also, Hendrik Ibsen talks about really dark ass things, so yeah. I, it's best for us to just spill what we know about him. Absolutely. Which, let's talk about our beginnings of uh, Mr. Henny. Um, so, which I learned in college, but you superseded me. I got to learn in high school. Shout out to Mr. Jeremy Golden. Woohoo! Um. <laughs> No, we normally in our like highest level theater classes would do Shakespeare as like a big unit. And and um, my senior year when I was in the class, we were doing a Shakespeare play. So our theater teacher decided to forego that. It was like, we don't need double Shakespeare. Let's mix it up. Let's do something else. Right. So we decided to do a classical theater unit. Yes. And I was actually in a scene from Hedda Gabler. Um, we'll with, talking about with my friend Hannah, which was really cool, and 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 it was a style of acting in a time period that I think we we all vaguely knew about from like history class and whatnot. But like actually having lessons on you know the etiquette and as an actor, how you would have had to carry yourself in order to confine to the social norms of how you sit and how you stand and how you talk to other right. people was fascinating. Um, and so that that really stuck out to me. And then again, I was also. Um, reintroduced to Henrik's work in college. Absolutely. As well. I think you bring up a really good point. Like for for listeners who are like 1800s, we're talking Victorian era. So it makes 100%. the best part about it, I forgot, was we took the scenes to the middle school where you now right. teach fun. Yeah. Hey. Um, and but we rented costumes. So yeah. we got to perform in like full corseted dresses Ooh. with like the skirts and yes. the, the gloves. We were feeling our oats i remember Absolutely. walking across the parking lot from vista to ridge and literally was like i am victorian realness mama i am giving you right miss hedda gabler <laughs> um no i completely i i mean that's where you have to put your mindset for those that aren't a hundred percent familiar with this time frame you have to put it in like victorian era mm -hmm. it is all about social class it is all about yeah. hierarchy it is all about wealth it is all about what you can get from that wealth and that's what henrik Ibsen did uh, a lot of commentary on in all of his plays 
Well, and I remember our scene was so much different than the other scenes that they um, that were given out to other kids in my class because they were doing things like yeah, they do like Anton Chekhov. Um, and they were doing um, Three Sisters, The Seagull. No, they were doing the one British show that like is so overdone. Um, uh, important to being earnest. They were doing oh, like stuff like Oscar, that. Oscar yeah, where yeah, they were doing like Oscar, yeah, Oscar Wilde, and just like like really light stuff. And then you know there was like I think one Anton Chekhov scene and one in Henrik Ibsen scene, and those were like so different. I think those from... three. If you so, real quick, those three playwrights. If you want to get a good grip on this time frame, uh, Oscar Wilde. Uh, Henrik and, Ibsen and, and Anton, Anton Chekhov. Chekhov. Yeah, those are like the three that really talk. All three of them really talk about social commentary. Mm -hmm. Um, the nice thing is, is that they're talking about them in different areas mm -hmm. of Europe at that time. Yeah, well, and like you know, uh, Oscar Wilde's taking a more comedic approach, and um, Henrik is taking a very psychological approach, like you mentioned, and um, Anton's are is very like meta. Yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, before we go on break, I want to break down the two plays that we're talking about. Um, and when we come back, we'll talk in depth about what they are, but we're going to talk about two of Henrik Ibsen's greatest plays. Um, yeah. and that would be, um, A Doll's House and Hedda Gabler. Now, both of these shows, uh, we could do full episodes on both of we, these absolutely. shows. Absolutely. Um, but the reason why we wanted to bring them together is he wrote them only like 10 years apart from each other. And it's really important to understand the nuances between them because they both center around female protagonists, um, which at that time was not something that you were seeing in a lot of theater. Um, and to comment on social commentary surrounding a woman's perspective was actually something pretty revolutionary that Henrik Ibsen was doing at that yeah. time. You have to think about that time that these were still being performed by like wealthy audiences. It wasn't the time when just the average joe in jean shorts and a t-shirt can go see a broadway play yeah. right and also you have to keep in mind that broadway was like not even a thing we were <laughs> pretty much going through a uh, war at this time so theater was not as prevalent but in europe uh all of the problems that were being put on which which is you know is what he was talking about and all of these playwrights were talking about and you have to understand that like that commentary on society is something that we see even in neo-contemporary pieces where we're commenting on uh, race and sexuality and gender and class as well. Like, th yeah. this is not new. This was not new and revolutionary. No, but he was just saying, dan, 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 yeah. let's go girls, right. when no one else was saying, let's go girls. Right. Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to break down both Hedda Gabler and A Doll's House, talk about um, our... Uh, favorite bits from them talk about just the shit show that they are um, yeah. and then talk about the nuances um, that make them both individual pieces and then when comparing the two together what makes them so freaking awesome we'll be right back rough shit in college but i don't regret it i said i do this for the love of theater 
all this in the name of the arts. <laughs> I said, bye. I can have another shot for Shakespeare. <laughs> right. Shots for Shakespeare. You know, okay. First off, we're back. <laughs> hey, welcome back. Second off, follow me on this tangent. If you have not, which I haven't, so I'm speaking, <laughs> blowing, uh, what, whistling Dixie out my ass. Is that when you don't know something? Um, what we don't know is that there is a organization called Shakespeare where they perform drunk Shakespeare like to an audience. Yes. And I have wanted to see I want to go. They do them in Denver and I want to see we it. We should go. I want one where I know the show pretty well. Like yeah. there was one of Cymbeline and I was like, I don't really know Cymbeline that well. But like you give Cymbal me a what? Some, Cinnamon? I've never even heard of that one. You ever had cinnamon with tequila? <laughs> Instead of lime, yes. salt, shot, yes, I... cinnamon, orange. orange yes. Shot. It's great. Over 21 listeners, take notes. <laughs> we are back. Anyways, we're back talking about talking Henrik about Ibsen. Henrik Ibsen. Yes. Henny. Miss Henny. Mr. <laughs> Henny girl. Miss Henny girl. Um, and we're talking about two of his greatest works. Yes. Hedda Gabler and A Doll's House. So let's break these down. The first one to be written, I'm pretty sure, but I could be absolutely freaking wrong, was Hedda Gabler. I believe that was the first one. 1891. This one was 1879. Oh, nope. Doll's House was written first. I was just about to say, honestly, bold move if he wrote Hedda before he wrote A Doll's House. Because A Doll's House was scandalous, but Hedda Hedda is worse. So let me break down the Let's go chronologically. Okay. I will start talking about A Doll's House first. Well, and I feel like more people know A Doll's House than they do Hedda. Both are very famous, but I would say A Doll's House is definitely his most popular work. Yes. So let me break it down for you. Set the scene. This is what we're going to call Lulu... Miss Lulu be barking. She be barking. Bork, bork, because she knows what about to go down <laughs> with the doll's house. <laughs> she said, shit, I <laughs> am not well. I am not well. I need to get out of here. Yeah, so she bolted. Okay, this is just spilling the tea about these two shows. Yeah. Because they are juicy. Yeah. This the is some juicy hot tea. Okay, A Doll's House, written by Henry Gibson. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I just broke Who is he again? <laughs> here it is. Um, the story is centered around a woman named Nora. And Nora is the traditional housewife. She has two kids. She's taking care of them. She's married to Mr. Torvald. Tor- yeah, these. these names, guys, oh, get ready. Get ready. Um, and so Torvald got ill, and uh, they were doing fine. He works at a bank, um, but they needed some money. So Miss Nora secretly borrowed a large sum of money so that a husband could go to it- they could go to Italy and take care of his Yeah, because illness. here's the tea. Hedda was rich. Her daddy's got dollars. Nora, Nora sorry. Nora's got dollars because yes. daddy was rich. She married someone middle class. So, yes. like, not, she's still comfortable, but not as wealthy as she once was. But daddy dies. And before she gets the inheritance, she secretly signs her dad's name to get these loans, which is Scandalina Poroskova. Okay? Not doing that. So they, she gets it and she's like, dad gave us this money. Let's go. She never told him about the loan, and she's been secretly paying it back in small investments from her, like, household allowance that he's been giving her. So her husband, Torvald, thinks her careless and childlike, like, um, spending, because he doesn't know that she's actually spending on this. But she's also out shopping. This uh, play starts where she came home and bought Christmas presents for her kids. He thinks it's careless, and he's like, oh, you're such a little doll. Like, you're just a little doll spending your money. Think I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world, but in 18 18- whatever right um and so 
he's appointed the bank director and his first act is to uh, fire a guy who once disgraced the bank for um, signing fraudulent documents. Miss Nora had been doing that too, but <laughs> Mr. Krogstad, okay, he'd been doing Croggy that too. boy? That's right. You got Mr. Krog. <laughs> it sounds like a frog. Krogstad. Krogstad. Um, so he is the person um, who's been forging signatures on a document. Little does Torvald know that Krogstad is who helped Nora sign. Yeah, he was her sneaky link. That doc. T. <laughs> okay. Um, and so it's to revealed forgery. that she forged um, the money. Krogstad threatens um, to reveal Nora's crime and disgrace her and her husband unless Nora can convince Torvald not to fire him. And so Norvald tries to influence Torvald or yeah, Nora tries to influence Torvald, but nothing comes from it because Nora's just a simple child and she doesn't understand money or business. So she's baby, being blackmailed? Leave it to the man. And Krogstad's like, baby, I will ruin you. I will wreck your life. I will go onto Insta and say, or I will open the burn book and say, do not trust this fugly bitch. Right? That is what he will do. And Nora's like, baby, come on. He's not that bad. And Torvald's like, baby, you don't know. You're a woman. You're stupid. You don't need to know this. Don't worry about it there's plenty of other characters there um dr rank or whatever his name is yeah her he's like, coming in and he's like i'm dying and then he's and she's like that's sad and he's like you know what would fulfill my dreams before i die if i told you i loved you and you loved me back and she's like um <laughs> thought about it <laughs> but no. no right and he's like a friend i he's kind of irrelevant in the show but we Krogstad need more keeps, drama right, Krogstad keeps coming in there's also um uh, uh not kathleen christine um Torvald's mommy no it, it's like I it, it's like a friend she's like also a nanny she helps sew the dress work um because they're going to a party anyway Nora does all these things to try to distract Torvald from figuring all this out because Krogstad uh, wrote a little thing that said hey let me tell you about what your wife's been up to and put it in his work mailbox and then Krogstad was like you thought I was bluffing think again and then Nora's like, oh shit, like I've got to figure this out. So what happens is that Torvald discovers that Nora forged this thing and is going to bring Yeah, because he finds the havoc. note that Krogstad wrote him, right? Right. He finds it and is like, oh my God, what? You are the worst. You are bringing us down. I hate you. Um, and he's ready to disclaim his wife and all that she's done for him. But later, when all is solved, because Krogstad is like or he goes and tries to Torvald goes and tries to fix it and so Krogstad is like you know what I'll forgive it I don't have to say anything and he goes baby I was wrong I'm so sorry like, take me back you're just a simpleton you didn't know what was really going on yeah you were just trying to help us out and I love it and Nora goes excuse me no you fully were just about to give me up and rid me of like all that I loved so how dare you you know what where's the kids grab this shit we're out of here. And like Torvald's on the ground crying. And the last scene is like her looking back at him on the floor crying. And then the very final thing is she slams the door and that's the curtain. Shit is gr gruesome. Right? Yeah. Who? So imagine being in the audience. My jaw in my little Victorian dress, my jaw would be on the floor. Because the whole I would time, say the whole time. Nora is living this uh, uh, feeling of I am the devoted housewife. 
I messed up, so I must do this, this, mm-hmm. and this to try to get him back. And it isn't until that she has tried so hard and he just completely like Is told her that to she was her? shit and was like, you need to go. You're a terrible person. You don't know anything. You're stupid. You should have just been a stupid housewife and you tried to get involved to try to take care of me. You suck. And then Krogstad's like, it's no biggie. We're all good. And then two seconds later, later, he's like, like, baby, I love you. You're perfect. And the fact that Nora said, no, fuck you. Yeah. I'm leaving is huge. That was the big dun 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 that Henry Gibson was going for. So that, that is Miss Adal's house. Yeah. The scandal. Yeah. Fast forward 12 years to Miss Hedda. To Hedda Gabler. So Hedda is the famous daughter of General Gabler, who is now married to George Tessman. Not the um, general. Hedda is. Not the general. The general's not married to George. Yes, Hedda's married to George. There's only straights yes. only. Delete <laughs> <Salita> gay. <laughs> So um, she marries George out of desperation. Like, basically, in her brain, she was like, I'm kind of old now. No one wants me. So I guess I should get married. Yeah, I'm like, what? So she marries this guy named George um, and is like, yeah, you know, my life is kind of dull and boring. Like, what? When is it going to get interesting again? Like, I just got back from my honeymoon and, like, now I have to be, like, a wife? You're joking. Disgusting. So... Um, during their wedding trip, they go off to Italy, a lovely, gorgeous honeymoon. Another um, Italy. Her husband spent most of his time in libraries doing research for a history book that he's going to have um, published because he's hoping to get a position at the university. So he's like, nose to the grindstone, got to get this work She's done. Really out on the beach. Sorry, girl. She's like, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but if my husband ditched me the whole honeymoon, I'd be kind of pissed. I would leave so, like, up the Italian coast, though. I'd say. Oh, I mean, she was probably having a good time, but like, that's not the point yeah, no. to do it alone. True. So, rightfully so. Screw you, George. Um, yeah, f off, George. <laughs> Anyways, she comes back home from their honeymoon, and one of her old friends from her like, uh, scandalous past makes a reappearance. His name is Ehlert to Love Borg. Come on, work. Yeah, I'm telling you these names. And um, he is an old friend of hers that is also writing a history book. And um, he is highly respected, like right. very well known in the field. Um, him and George are kind of like academic rivals, you could say. Yes. So um, she's got this past with him, but it kind of complicates her new future with George. So, um, however, in his past life, he was kind of a degenerate. Like, Wasn't he made he a drunk? some. He was a yes, drunk. He's like an alcoholic, yeah. makes some poor decisions, so probably said, sleeps we're around. Not, we're not, I'm not doing this with you anymore. Yes. Um, but he's now quit drinking and devoted himself to his serious work. So, okay. like, he's ready to be straight laced on the right track. Um, and his new book is, um, has all the imagination and spirit that George's book is missing. So, like, his book is Harry Potter, and George's book is, I don't know. I was going to say Akatar, but I knew that would be a straight, like, <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> Never mind. It's not fantasy. Anyways, it's academic <laughs> books. Probably book is like... about hi- some historical thing right his, my oh they're probably writing about like 
ancient Rome. Right. Some shit like that. Anyways, I digress. Thea Lovestead, Elvestead, sorry. She's an elf? What? She's an elf. Thea Elvestead, that's who I played in the scene. I, of course, was like the little... I got typecast. Right. Yes. Um. So she's friends with Tessa, but was also friends with Elert in the past, and she is helping him now. Uh, she was married to like this old guy. Drops him to be with Elert, and Hedda's like, "What?" Because Elert now is a changed man. Yes. And he's now kind of becoming up and coming, and so and Thea's like helping him right with that right so Hedda fully married some guy who was kind of famous with his book mm-hmm. but now Ehlert has a new book and her old pal Thea is dating her ex but her ex is doing well and so Hedda's kind of like what what the hell now excuse I'm, me now I'm left in the oh dust. yeah spoiler alert Ehlert and Hedda they had a thing yeah they were they were doing the do back yeah. in the day they were lovers so after a visit, um, Thea, not Thea, Hedda is basically like, oh, my God, um, honey, you should, like, totally take Elert out and, like, give him, like, go to a party and give him beverages so that he backslides because she wants the mess. Hedda is a messy bitch. She is a shit. messy bitch. So, obviously, he's offered a drink. And so what does he do? Get absolutely pissing drunk. Right. Like this because man Avi, is obliterated. He's a alcoholic. So, um, the uh, this comes after like she offered him a drink and he's like, "Sorry, I don't drink." And so she's like, "Excuse me." She's jealous of like this right. power that Thea has over him. So she's like, "You know what I'm gonna do? I'm right. gonna get him to do the thing that you've been telling him not to do." And she's successful, right? Because George she's she's calculated. I learned shit face, right? So then, um. When he's at the party, he loses the manuscript of the magical historical thing that he's writing. And George comes home with the manuscript. He's like, girl, I got the bag. And Hedda's like, yes, power. Yeah. So um, Hedda then burns it. Because she's jealous because Thea was helping him with it. Right. It was a two, it was a two birds with one stone. Yeah. So she's like, I'm gonna get back at Thea. Thea and, and with Eler. Yeah. Yeah. Like both of them, they're dead to me. Right. So is this manuscript, and so she burns that. And then Loveborg Loveborg comes home, and um, confesses that he's failed in his life after you know like backsliding and like doing all these things that he said he was going to do. Yeah. He's like, I'm horrible. I'm trash. I have nothing to live for. And she's like, you know what you should do? Take this pistol, go kill yourself. So you know what he does? He does it. He does it. He literally like go. And then, but then like someone comes back, I think it's like another general it's or the something. Judge, judge Brad. The judge. Yes. That guy's also a conniving little bitch. Yeah. Um, Anyways, Judge Brack comes in and is like, guess what? Elert's dead, and it was really messy. And Hedda was like, um, what? This is, like, nothing like this beautiful, like, tragic death that I had planned for him in my mind. And right. it ends up being, like, a complete shit show. And so, it like, it's really hard for her. Like, she's left wounded after that. Right. So, George begins to try to piece together the, back the manuscript with the help of Thea. They try to finish Elert's work for him. Um, because they feel bad that he died in such a tragic yeah. way. Yeah, and so all of a sudden, crazy bitch Hedda 
is like how can i pull focus how yeah how literally <laughs> she's literally like what can i do right now to have the ultimate power move so you know what she does she goes in the other room and she shoots herself boom end of the play <laughs> like Perfect. are you joking again Perfect. i would be sitting in the audience in my cute little victorian dress and my jaw would be on the floor because ultimately smack had a was like wow oh oh i, I forgot I to mention i forgot to mention the biggest scandal of the whole play it's alluded to that she's pregnant oh, like the yeah, entire yeah, time yeah, yeah, yeah. and so like everyone is telling her like they're kind of trying to coddle her but hedda being the like you know strong crazy bitch. stubborn bitch that she is yeah. she you know is like oh no it's fine whatever and like to her it's kind of a burden so like the fact that she's pregnant and she killed herself big big drama big mistake huge yeah like I just and I remember I'm so shocked that she didn't tell you this story when we read this play when I was in college the um incredible professor who was teaching our class her name is Doc Moon she literally was like I saw a production of Hedda once and it was so crazy because rather than shooting herself in the head off stage she shot herself up the cooch on stage, on stage. <laughs> I said, oh, my God. <laughs> she really went there. They said, how can we take a 10 to a 100? So while you <laughs> sit Process on that, all ruminate of that. on both of those productions, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to keep discussing both A Doll's House and Hedda Gabler, the nuances between each other. And then while there's while. Oh, my God. I just had a stroke. And why? Not actually, he's fine, everyone. Not actually, I'm fine. <laughs> Head over it. The quick brown fox jumped over the lazy frog. What? <laughs> That's what you're supposed to say when you think you're having a stroke. Oh. It's just like, I don't know. Anyway, when <laughs> we come back, we're going to talk about why these are still relevant to neo-contemporary audiences and why they have uh, uh, been so prominent throughout history. We'll be back. down i have nudes noodles and company we are back thank you for processing during the quick 10 second break all of that complexities <laughs> and the shit show of a doll's house and hedda gabler yeah okay, these are iconic pieces of theater because they're messy because they are messy yeah you thought a doll's house was messy hedda's a disaster baby yeah he really said how can i turn this <laughs> and up it so now it's time to talk about the nuances between both of them yeah um, and you have to talk about the time period that they're in. In the Victorian era, women were meant to uphold the status of their husbands, to uphold the status of their home, take care of the house, take care of the kids, take care of this appearance of happiness between man and wife. And both Nora in A Doll's House and Hedda in Hedda Gabler completely distort that and absolutely ruin it. Which is kind of why it was so shocking to see, kind of so shocking to see on stage. If you see these people in these incredibly regal Victorian gowns and this Victorian lifestyle, to see a woman go so against, it's almost like what happens behind closed doors kind of thing of this is mm -hmm. screwing the pooch. 
Yeah. We're messing up this messy, messy lifestyle. So you have to look at what Henrik Ibsen did for independent women. Well, and I think the reason why a doll's house is so shocking is because it's, it's literally in the name. Like Nora is supposed to be this perfect Victorian doll. Like she is playing the part and, and every single thing she is doing is not for herself, but for everyone else in her life because she wants to uphold that. And like you said, the second that her husband treats her poorly for the first time and is literally like, oh, I don't love you. You're actually the worst. She literally finally like snaps and is like, wait, what? Tag yourself. You're Nora. I'm Hedda. Work. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be that, but, <laughs> but I completely yeah. agree. Like you want to uphold. Nora like, wanted she, to uphold yeah, the status. Absolutely. She, you know, I and I think she was proud to. She wanted to be that picture of Even that dutiful housewife. Shit. Yeah, but but everything she was doing was to for not for herself, but for her husband and for the for the um image of their and when family. He realized that he really and their only perfect life. cared about the lifestyle and himself, that was kind of a click in her mind, and that's when she was like, I'm taking the kids, dumbass. <laughs> fully right. yeah right. and and it's you know her power move is a little bit different than Hedda's because it she was already kind of a a mild or timid character to begin with so the fact of her upheaving her life in leaving it's so shocking because she is the model of following the rules at the beginning comparison that we just read today where it says Nora is an independent thinker and mm-hmm. Hedda is an independent woman. Yes. Nora doesn't establish this independency from the get-go. She wants to be that person. Mm-hmm. And it isn't until something clicks that she understands that she can create her own narrative and do it all on her own. Yes. Versus Hedda is literally pulling the marionette doll oh, string she from the get. She is a manipulator. Yeah. Full-on manipulator. Absolutely. And hers is like, I think... Nora entered the marriage because she did love Torvald and she wanted to be that perfect wife. Hedda, I don't think, actually wanted to be married. That's, I think, the the first difference between these two characters is she just kind of did it because she was like, "Eh, I guess I'm kind of expected to do this, so, like, I'm going to do it. But did she actually want that? I don't think so. Well, that brings us to our next kind of comparison is the idea of wealth and appearance where Nora enjoyed the new wealth and appearance that she was getting from Torvald, she understood that, like, wow, we're starting to make money. We're starting to build this status in the community as, as, her, as her own people. Her, yeah. her husband had become the bank director. Like, what an incredible thing to do. And then when money gets messed up, I mean, money and, and appearance kind of distorts the entire, you know, storyline in both of these but i think norris was a little bit more subtle of the idea of wow we have this i don't want to do anything to screw this Mm -hmm. up i will do anything to maintain this and so that's why she takes out the loan versus hedda's like something's going wrong go kill yourself something's (laughs) going wrong have another drink something's going wrong i'll kill myself yeah like hedda from the get-go wanted wealth and uh an appearance um to always be with her hand on the cards. Yes. She always wanted to be involved with it whatsoever. And I don't think Nora wanted it. I think Nora just found herself in a shitty situation versus Hedda was the manipulator playing the cards. Yeah. No, she is just so iconic because she is so batshit crazy. Yeah. 
And it's, I just, I'm always so shocked every single time I, I, I remember the first time I read it, I was like floored and was like, she literally do, did all of this in like the matter of a few days. And for what reason? And for what? And for what reason? I don't, but, but, but to, I think, have power over her life because she feels like she doesn't. Ding, 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 ding. That is the word that I think you can ultimately trace it to. Trace power. Hedda Gabler to is power. Whenever she felt like she was losing power, she did anything to, to do take it. that away from others. She started with um, seeing that the George and Hedda, you know, top tier uh, uh, appearance was being questioned by George's new manuscript. So what did she do? She had to go George and drink. I don't think it was in her intent. You to mean alert? Alert. Yes. Yeah. Um, to make alert go drink. I don't think it was in her cards to make him go kill himself no she just got too jealous and too power hungry for this this idea she had of him in her mind this idea she has of herself in her mind i don't know i just feel like it's it's really interesting because you they allude to the fact that her character kind of had a wild and crazy past where maybe she was this like kind of lewd and scandalous girl that like everyone desired and everyone wanted to be with. And maybe she was a little bit that in some way, but also her dad was very wealthy and really well known. So she already, you know, even though she may have done some, you know, scandalous things, ultimately she still had really high status. And so, you know, then enters into a marriage with a guy and he's like, you know what, I'm married to this lady who everyone wanted to be with and all this stuff. Right. And, and for, for him, it's, she, she's, she's just the person to look at. It was she's, a level up. It was the, the, what's that called when you, someone, you date someone and you grow. Oh, um, you know I know exactly about? what you're talking about. Glow up. Yes. Yeah. Like it was the glow up for him. Yeah. It was the glow up for him. But I think Hedda would not have married him if he wasn't well established with his no. first published history book. But it's as soon as her like ex comes into the picture and she's like, oh, like he's successful too. But also like you're kind of screwing everything up for this like new life that I created for myself. Right. How dare you come back and like dangle this in front of me, Fia and Elert. Versus like, fuck you guys. I'm right. gonna I'm gonna ruin your lives. Versus on the opposite side, Nora, I don't think married Torvald for any other reason but the fact that she truly wanted to be married with kids and have this status. I don't think she did it for any other reason no. but to but to fall into this societal norm of the strong and happy housewife with the with the well off husband and the 2.5 kids yeah and all of that right yeah there's the difference between the two there of meanwhile Mary Hedda also acts like her pregnancy is an inconvenience like Again, you know, that whole idea of, like, not really wanting to fully accept this new life that she has been thrown into. Okay, so my question is, this is spiraling, and this is improv, improvisation. We talked about that last episode. (laughs) Um, Do you have sympathy for either of these women? Ooh. Do you have sympathy for Hedda? I think I have sympathy for Nora. I definitely have sympathy for Nora. I don't know. It's really hard sorry Beth's calling it's a really hard call for me on Hedda because I feel bad for her because of the society she lives in but I don't feel sympathy for the things that she did 
to mess up her life. That's a huge commentary of like when someone acts a certain way and does something wrong, murder, theft, you know, adultery, all of these things because they were dealt a bad deck. Mm-hmm. Are we forgiving from when we go, well, you were already, Hedda would have been a boss ass bitch if she was a man. Yeah. Absolutely. Except for because she's not, everyone just looks at her and is like, crazy bitch, right. crazy bitch. And I mean, yes, she kind of is one, but also at the same time, she's she's just trying to, I think, gain some power over her life. And it's unfortunate that the only thing that she thinks she can do to fully reclaim that in the end is, is to take her life. Well, she wanted the final power play. She wanted everyone's attention to be on her because once Eilert killed himself in this very messy, traumatic way, they tried to revive his Mm -hmm. uh, appearance and said, yeah, let's make his manuscript his last big thing. And Hedda goes, no, the attention isn't on me. And it's not like a negative attention. It's like, I tried so hard to create this narrative for me. And as a woman, that's difficult. How dare this thing from my past take that away from me? Mm -hmm. Versus Nora standing her ground. Think about it. Nora and Torvald are not super wealthy. By Nora leaving, she becomes a divorcee. Mm -hmm. And at that time is like tragic. Mm -hmm. Like there's no other way. But she understands that. She would rather be happy mm-hmm. with someone or or by herself than with someone that would throw her away for his appearance. Mm-hmm. You know, honestly, George and or no Torvald and Hedda would be great together. <laughs> they absolutely would. Um, okay, final thoughts. We could talk about this on and on and on. Yeah. Final thoughts about each of these shows. Go. I'm just always like every single time I revisit these pieces, I'm like, how badass was it that Henrik was writing about women this bold, this powerful, this complex, but also flawed at the same time that I just I'm always just like so impressed. He he was that that forthcoming that he he didn't care about the the potential controversy. He's like I want to make a commentary on this. This is important to me. Women have voices. Women are powerful and I want to make theater about that whatever the cost. I think it truly invigorated the female perspective in theater. Yeah. At that time when we uh talked about Greek theater and we talked about Lissa Strata Jones. Mm-hmm. No, that's the musical. Lissa Strata. <laughs> um uh, When we talked about that, we talked about how it was a comedy of like, could you imagine these women taking these chances? This is not a comedy. This is a drama. These are women taking these risks and taking these chances for themselves in a dramatic way. There's Mm -hmm. nothing comedic about a woman taking charge of her own life at this point in time. And so I think he really invigorated all of those things. Yeah. I think it's really interesting because I read Hedda first and then when I read a doll's house, I was like, I relate to this character so much more, but also there are things about Hedda. Like I said, I don't know if I necessarily feel sympathy for her, but it's definitely a fascinating character to think about 
when you're talking about the confines and the restraints of women in that that time period that you know he he did Nora and Nora was an extreme but why not go even further into that and explore what that might be like and and what the reaction to that would what be. is loss of power when someone's pure objective in life is to have it and not even in a ooh not yeah. even in a um evil or malicious way I don't think Hedda was ever malicious in having power I think she was malicious in seeing her power fall out and mm-hmm. then in her action to do that so yeah if you have not spent the time to actually read these scripts they're they, great you should absolutely read them I'll even give you a secret I'm pretty sure the pdfs are free online but also, I think it's public domain by now Oh yeah probably yeah um, yeah so absolutely read both of these read them within the same time frame of one another not even the same night but just read them within one another so you can understand the nuances by what hendrick ibsen's thought process yeah process was from going from nora in a doll's house to hedda and hedda gablet yeah and especially if you're a young woman in the performing arts i think they're fascinating pieces even even if you're not a woman i i think for anyone but it, it is really like interesting commentary on the female perspective right. and the female position in theater, the female position in that time period, the female, you know, role in, in today. I feel, I very much think that these, these shows are still relevant and will always be yeah, relevant. The performances today are still renowned because I think connecting with these characters as a female protagonist is something that an actress can absolutely relate to and pull from her own experiences to really feel what these characters felt. Yeah. Well, and if you want to join the conversation, this is a a great way to, you know, uh, dive in and and let us know what you think about these shows and, and, you know, what you took from them, because that's what we always talk about. Theater is meant to be discussed. It's meant to be dissected. It's meant to, to be talked about. So join the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, you can join the conversation by DMing us at our pod instagram at theater podcast t-h-e-a-t-r-e podcast the thing not the place and while you are dming us about how much you loved had a gabbler and how much you loved a doll's house and the questions you have feel free to dm us questions that you may have about any of the podcasts to continue the conversation because we are only one month away we have one more episode after this one before we get into our season finale in which we will recap the entire season and also answer questions that you've said to us through the pod uh, or through the pod gram right so make sure that you reach out and actually ask us questions related to any of the episodes that we have or also questions that you want to hear us talk about and that way we can end this season on a really high note of this collaboration because theater is not meant to be done by yourself theater is meant to be collaborative and to talk about with other people so make sure you do that hey i love talking about little miss henny with you on this extremely (laughs) explicit episode Um, you can like, follow, rate, and review our podcast on wherever your ears are listening. Make sure you tell us what you enjoy. Make sure you tell us everything that is amazing about this show. Yeah. And hey, we will see you for the last content-related episode in two weeks on the most wonderful. Girl power. Girl bossery. Ooh. The most Shania Twainin. (laughs) I don't know. I just thought of girl Henrik power. Ibsenin. Hendrik. I keep saying Hendrik. Henrik Ibsenin. Episode of Theater, Theater Thoughts. Thoughts.
Goodbye, get the hell out of here. Come on, get.